Amen. Thank you, Brother Stephen. We're in Acts chapter 4 this morning. Acts chapter 4. I want to give thanks for those who filled in for me this past Sunday when I was out of town. I was there for my, my father's funeral, and um, it was a good service, good services, good visitation, good. A lot of people came out. Uh, my mom and dad had a lot of influence on people, and so that was good to see uh, those folks. I mean, also family as as well. That's the best part about a funeral is you get to get the family together, and you get to see folks that you might not get to see otherwise. And so that was a real blessing as well. And I got to stay several days afterwards and help my mom with some things and talked with her last night, and I think she's doing. I'm as well as she could be, uh, but I know it'll get harder. Uh, she had all the kids home, and and the last kid left home last night, and uh, so it'll be a little more difficult, I'm sure, for her over uh, the house empty. But uh, thank you for your prayers, thank you for your concern, and also thank you for taking care of things in in my absence. Our Sunday morning series is through the book of Acts. It's called uh, The Church Going. I'm an also growing because the church I was doing just that in the book of Acts. In the last chapter, chapter um, three, Peter had healed uh, this lame man. I'm at the temple, and this gathered a great crowd of people because they knew that this man was lame uh, for years, for his whole life, and all of a sudden he was healed. And so as this crowd gathered, uh, Peter preached to the crowd. So let's read the first four verses of Acts chapter 4, and then we're going to skip down and read a few other verses as well. So if you're able, stand with me, and we'll read our scripture today, and we'll read it all together out loud, and, uh, and then we'll go to the Lord in, in prayer. Acts 4, first of all, 1 through 4, and then we'll skip down to verse uh, 10 and read to verse 13. If you have that, let's read it together. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And then let's read verses 10 through 13. Uh, Peter is speaking here now. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. The uh, message today, I'm as a persecuted, of undeterred, persecuted but undeterred. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to gain from this uh, a chapter today in the book of Acts. Help us to uh, see how we can apply things to our lives. Lord, help us to see that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, first of all. And then for those of us who are saved, Lord, help us to have uh, the boldness to witness that we ought to have. I pray that you'd help me to say everything that I need to say and not anything I shouldn't say. Lord, guide my lips, I pray, with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing if you're able to do so. This is something probably a lot of you know already is that the early church was a persecuted church. Their founder was falsely accused, rejected by the Jewish religious leadership, crucified on a cross. But then he rose from the grave in victory over death, death after three days. He appeared then to his disciples and he taught them before he ascended back to heaven himself. Now, all those religious elite had assumed that they would not have to worry about Jesus anymore after they had put him to death. However, his followers were now empowered by the Spirit of God. They were doing the works that he had done when, when he was there on earth. They were preaching salvation through the name of Jesus. Back in chapter 3, we saw the transforming power of Jesus Christ and healing of that lame man and in the preaching of the gospel. And then here in chapter 4, we see the hostile reaction of the religious establishment against the apostles Peter and John, who were boldly pointing people to Christ. The child of God needs to continually point people to Jesus. We're going to begin our look at this chapter today by looking at the first two verses again. And we see here the actual rejection, the rejection Beginning again in verse number one, and as they spake unto the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. These same people had already crucified Jesus. They had hoped again that they had put an end to this a spiritual uprising. So they were grieved that Peter and John were teaching and preaching Christ. That word. Grieved used here 
It means to be troubled, displeased, offended, or also pained. It, it, it pained them uh, to uh, hear these apostles uh, uh, preaching uh, of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Well, not everyone will be glad of your a witness for Christ. It will grieve the enemies of our Savior to see you boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel. They hate Jesus, and as a result, they hate you as well. And, and, and Christ told us that this would happen, and not to be surprised uh, by this response. In John 15, 18, Jesus said, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. They had rejected Christ, and they will reject too if you stand with him. Look back at verse 3 of our text. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day. Peter and John were arrested because of their bold witness for Jesus Christ. This was the first persecution of the early church. Well, besides the rejection of the uh, message that the apostles gave, uh, we see its reception. Uh, number two, the reception. Verse four, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Well, yes, some rejected Christ, but others received him. The people were drawn in that day by the healing of the lame man. He had been sitting there at the temple for years. Everybody knew he was lame. He was lame from birth. All he could do was, was beg. And he was brought there every day, sat down, and he begged every day to survive. But it was after hearing the word of God that these people believed on Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear God's word. You're in church here today. That's a good thing because you're hearing God's word. Do you recall the first time that you heard the word of God? Or perhaps maybe just the first time that you, you heard and understood the message of salvation? Do you recall receiving that message and believing on Jesus Christ to be saved? I don't know that I recall the very first time that I heard about Christ, but I recall approximately the time of my life um, where I was in church like we are today. I was in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and and the, the pastor that we had, he, he, he was a good preacher. And he, and he preached the Bible and he, he preached salvation. And I, I began to understand. I began to understand that I was a lost sinner. And I was in need of a Savior. And that if something didn't change, I, I was not going to be saved. I was not going to go to heaven to be with uh, a God. And so I became under conviction for my sins. But then I do specifically remember the day 
when I bowed my head at the end of a church service in the invitation time and, and called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Do you recall that time in your life? Has there been that time that you received the Lord as your Savior? Without faith, you cannot be saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace, God's grace, are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's not of me, it's the, the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't boast in your salvation if you're saved because it wasn't of you. It was of God. So these uh, people that day had come together because of the healing of that lame man. They're like, hey, this, this guy, Joe, there at the temple, you know, who's been sitting there for decades, he's up, he, he's, he's, he's healed. And so when they heard the word of God, they believed on Christ. In fact, it says there are 5,000 men. That, that, uh, uh, surely there were some children and teenagers Teenagers, surely there were some uh, 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 ladies, um, young and old, who also believed. But 5,000 men that day put their faith in Christ. That surely caused quite... I'm a big stir <laughs> there uh, that day as many rejoiced in their new salvation. If you've not yet received God's salvation, you should do so this very day. So after the rejection and the reception, we see the request. The, re the, the, the request made by these Jewish leaders, verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John... They asked, by what power or by what name have ye done this? The Jewish leaders asked Peter and John to answer their question. They wanted to know by what authority they had healed this lame man. Now we see uh, later in the chapter that this man uh, was actually over, over uh, 40 years old born lame, and he was well known by those at the temple. Uh, this here was no trick. This was here, I know, kind of a fake, a healing. Uh, I'm afraid much of, of, of what you might see on TV today and, and healing services or so-called healing services are just fake. It's not real. They only choose certain people. They only choose certain kind of ailments. And perhaps for a time, that person believes that they're really healed uh, because of that emotional experience. But it's not long later they realize they were not healed. And, of course, many people go to those meetings and they never get brought up on stage and they never experience any kind of a healing. I think, I think much, if not all of that, um, is false. It's fake. But that wasn't the case here in Acts chapter 4. 
This man had lived his entire life without being able to stand on his feet and walk. Yet now it says in the last chapter, he, he was walking. He was also leaping. He was praising God for what was done. And so was everyone else who knew him. And the Jewish leaders were baffled that they couldn't understand how this man was healed. So their request of the disciples led to the disciples' response. That's number four, the response. Look at verse eight. We'll just start off in verse eight here at the beginning. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them. Now note that his response wasn't of his own uh, flesh. He was filled with the Spirit. As you respond to people in this world, Christian, you need to be filled, you need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. They don't need to hear what you have to say. They need to hear what God has to say through you. Now let's continue in verse 8 down to verse 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. I love it when someone asks me why I'm a Baptist or why I became a pastor or why I go to church all, of, all the time. I, I love it when they ask questions like that because those are such great opportunities to share Christ. People might ask you similar questions. You know, why do you read your, your Bible so much? Why do you go to, go to church all the time? You know, what's, why do you do that? Other people don't, don't do, it, do things like that. Well, he is the reason. Jesus is the reason I go to church. He's the reason that I serve God. He's the reason that I'm changed. He saved my soul. He transformed me like nothing else can do. And he transformed that lame man. And so the world was there in awe of what Jesus had done. And Peter didn't miss out on this opportunity to speak up for the Lord. First, he clearly and boldly pointed people to Jesus. He said, hey, it's, it's because of him. It's not because of us. We don't have the, the power in and of ourselves to, to do these miracles, but Jesus does. Secondly, he pointed out their sin. He said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, you sinned. You rejected the Messiah. You rejected your only hope of salvation. You did wrong. Thirdly, he, he pointed out that Jesus had died 
and uh, uh, fourthly, that he had risen from the dead in victory over the grave. Number five, you pointed out that Jesus had the power to transform lives. Even by him does this man stand before you whole. There wasn't any other explanation that this man that was born lame, that was sitting there begging by the uh, temple decade after decade, could be healed. And, And further, Peter explained that Christ was the precious cornerstone foretold way back in Psalm 118. Look at verse 11. Peter says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which became the head of the corner. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. Peter was saying that these religious leaders were the builders who had rejected their Messiah. Uh, they stumbled over this a stone of Christ, even as Isaiah had uh, prophesied. Ephesians 2 and verse 20 says, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. He's the chief cornerstone of the New Testament church. So Peter's response here also included a clear statement about salvation. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 12 of our text. Peter says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. There's nobody else who can save your soul. There's nobody else who can forgive your sin. Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven by whom you can be saved. Not Moses, not Mary, not Paul, not anybody else that we see in the Bible, not the Greek gods, not any other false gods of this world. I'm not even your godly a grandmother or mother can save you. No other than Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. And Peter gave a great presentation of the gospel here. Now, it was surely not one of what those religious leaders desired to hear, They had thought that they were done with Jesus. But now his followers were performing miracles and declaring that he was alive, that he was no longer dead. The word used for saved in verse 12 is the same Greek word used in verse 9. uh, Made whole. The healing of the lame man was a was a picture of the spiritual healing that Christ offers through salvation. Salvation through Jesus Christ makes a person whole, not necessarily healing all of their physical ailments, but healing their soul. 
And of course, only the great physician can cure the sickness that we have of sin. So after seeing Peter's bold response to the re religious leaders, we see the reaction of those leaders. Number five, the reaction. Look at verse 13. Then when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. The reaction was one of amazement. They saw the boldness of these spirit-filled believers. They could see that Peter was I was fearless in, in preaching the gospel in front of a very large crowd of thousands of people. Not long before, you probably, re probably recall, a Peter feared acknowledging Christ before one, a slave girl. Peter denied the Lord three times. I don't even know this man. But here, he's transformed. He, he isn't the same uh, Peter because of what the Spirit of God had done within him. And the D Jewish leaders were uh, amazed that they couldn't believe. Hey, these, these people haven't been trained in, in, our, in our religious schools. They, they, they don't know all the things that, that we know, but they're a bold in, in preaching about Jesus. The difference was that now Peter was filled with the Spirit of God. Now he was relying on the Spirit instead of on his own strength. The Jews knew that these men weren't educated as they had been educated, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But Peter and John had been educated. They had gone to a Bible college, you can say, uh, for three and a half years uh, with the master himself. The very Son of God was there, a teacher. Uh, many of them were just a rough, unlearned fisherman until Jesus transformed them. It was evident that they had been with Jesus. They taught the same doctrine and they spoke with the same authority that Jesus had spoke. Now, there's no higher compliment that could be paid a servant of Christ than it to be said of him, he has been with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, Christian, you'll be different. Can other people observe from your speech and your behavior that you have been with Jesus? The more time you spend with him, the more you'll be like him. Let me encourage you to spend more time with your Savior Jesus. Then look at verse 14, the very next verse. 
and beholding the man which was healed standing with them. This new disciple, this healed man identified with the followers of Christ. He was standing with Peter and John. And believers need to stand together against the enemies of God and to stand together um, in worship, fellowship, and in prayer, just like we're doing here this morning. The, the healed man was a choosing the right kind of people to spend his time with, those who believed in Christ. Do you have the right kind of friends? If they are not helping you in your walk with Christ, you need to find some new friends. And then continuing in verse 14, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. There was no other explanation that this man had been healed. Now, they didn't want to give credit to Jesus as Peter had done, but what could they say that, that, that they couldn't dispute that this man who had, had been lame for his whole life had been miraculously healed? The world stands in amazement of the transforming power of God. Over the course of, of history, uh, there's been thousands and I'd say millions of people that have been transformed by the power of God. Their uh, life was consumed with worldly things. They were abound by a, a sin, alcohol, drugs, perhaps. I mean, their life was a mess. And that there, there seemed to be no human hope for them. But they met Jesus. And they were changed. And they're, they're not the same person that they used to be. And it, 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 it couldn't have happened any other way but that God had intervened in their lives. Uh, so that was the reaction. Let's look at, next at number six. Uh, the regulation uh, that was given. Verses 15 and 16, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men for that indeed of a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. These were unsaved people. They hated Jesus, but they said, hey, we can't deny that a, a, a great miracle has taken place in this man that used to be a lame. But in spite of the fact that they couldn't deny it, they, would, they refused to believe on Jesus. Had they only put aside their pride, had they only sought the a truth more diligently, had they only honestly considered the message of the apostles, they could have been saved. They, they could have been changed like many of those other people were. But instead, they schemed uh, to silence the followers of Christ. No matter how obvious it was that, this, this, that a miracle took place and that they 
could not deny that it was a miracle, they refused to believe. Look at verses 17 and 18. But that it spread no further among the people, let us a straightway threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So they imposed this regulation for, the for them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. At one time, such a confrontation would have uh, frightened Peter. But that wasn't the case anymore. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and because of that, he was a different person than he was before. And since the world rejects Christ, they don't want to hear about him. They don't, they don't want to hear the name of Jesus. Their desire is to silence the Christians. And one way of doing that was by passing laws which, which prohibit prayers in schools, which take the, the Bibles out of the classrooms, which condemn those that would proclaim God's word on moral issues as being, as being actually politically incorrect. Or they would classify it as hate speech. You know, if, if you say what the Bible says about certain sins, well, 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 that's just hate speech, and we're going to have to shut you down, silence you, take you off of, of social media, and not let you speak up at the school board meetings. Um, and if you keep saying that, there's going to be punishment. There's going to be fines. We're going to put you in jail. Our society in America is getting a stricter and, and stricter on these things, of course, because the world doesn't want to hear about Jesus. And of course, many countries throughout the world outlaw evangelism. They outlaw the Bible altogether. And yet, they can't deny the power of God amongst those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. And even though they attempt to silence Christians, many refuse to be silenced. Unfortunately, some Christians don't have just refuse to keep speaking up because of the consequences. Too many have, con have conceded to uh, follow the, uh, uh, the regulations that men have established that are in conflict with the Word of God. Uh, these silent witnesses fear offending someone or being persecuted or perceived as a radical. Following this, though, we see the responsibility. Number seven, the responsibility. Look at verse 19 with me. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. They ask, hey, is our greater responsibility to man and to man's laws or is it to God and to God's law? The Lord commanded believers to preach the gospel of Christ to 
everyone. He told them, he told us to be witnesses for him. Christ said in Acts 1.8, this, just a few chapters before our, our text today, he said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And he goes on in the rest of the verse, but uh, we are to be a, a witness unto Christ. Can God-fearing believers just ignore that command? Should we disobey the commands of, of men if they're in conflict with the Scripture? Well, the Bible does talk about being a Christian and submitting to those in authority. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Jesus himself said in Matthew 22, 21, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. <laughs> Normally, a Christian is under obligation to obey the laws of the land. You don't have the right to disregard the commandments of man just because you don't like a certain law or that you think a certain law um, is unfair. However, the Bible also says that your first loyalty is to the Lord. When God's word clearly addresses an issue, you must faithfully obey the Lord, no matter what the laws of man may say. Some other examples of that in the Bible, of, of those who refuse to follow sinful laws, include the parents of Moses. They were supposed to kill all the male children. His parents refused to obey the command of man over the command of God. Uh, uh, Daniel as well uh, refused uh, to uh, defile himself with the king's uh, meat and the king's um, also wine. And then Daniel's friends refused to bow down to the idol. And as a result, they were cast into the a fiery furnace. Because they said, hey, uh, king, it doesn't matter what you say or what you uh, do. We are not going to bow down to this idol. This idol, we serve the Lord God. So when the law of man violates the law of God, the Christian must obey God, even if that means persecution, imprisonment, or even death. The believer ought to firmly yet respectfully refuse to disobey God's laws. And now in this instance, in our chapter, the Lord wanted Peter and John to continue fulfilling their Christian responsibility to share the gospel in obedience to him, even if that meant defying what the Jewish leaders had commanded. And you know, the Lord wants you and me to fulfill our Christian responsibilities to share the good news of Christ with others as well. No matter what the consequences may be, 1 Peter 3.15 says, 
to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Be prepared on all occasions to give your testimony for Christ, to give the message of salvation to those who you meet and those to whom you know. They may ask a question. They, they may not ask, sir, what must I do to be saved? But they may ask a question about church or about the Bible or about just why your family does what you do. Don't miss that opportunity to be ready always to give an answer for Christ. And look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When God is real to you and God is active in your life, you cannot keep quiet about him and what he's done for you. It overflows from a heart of a spirit-filled believer. Uh, Peter said here, in essence, we just can't keep this news to ourselves. Jesus Christ is the one and the only Savior. He died for our sins and he rose again. He ascended back into heaven before our very eyes. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus, so you don't need to fear to fulfill your Christian responsibility of being a witness for Christ. The message of salvation is what sinners need to hear. And in spite of what some people may say, and in spite of what uh, uh, the government dictates, whether here or elsewhere, you must boldly, as a Christian, speak of the saving power of Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost may be. Peter acknowledged their responsibility to obey the Lord and to tell others what Jesus had done for them, just like you and I need to do as well. Well, after seeing the responsibility, we, we, we see lastly... Number eight, the release. Verse 21, so when they had uh, further threatened them, they let them go, finding, finding nothing how they might uh, punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Peter and John were released from custody after one more attempt to threaten them into being silent. The authorities would have done more against them, but they felt that they couldn't because of all the people. The, the, the masses were glorifying God for the healing of that lame man and for the saving of 5,000 people that day. So this morning we examined the first persecution of the early church. Peter and John were, were persecuted, but undeterred. It didn't stop them from serving God. They were that much more determined to be a witness for Christ, that much more determined 
to uh, spread the gospel and to do the work that God has given us to do. They also relentlessly pointed people to Jesus. They said, hey, this man wasn't healed because of us, because of any power in us. No, it was because of the power of Jesus Christ. Have you received the message of salvation through Jesus Christ? He offers it to you. He did everything necessary for you to be saved, but you have to receive it. He's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to make you be saved. But he is the only one who can save your soul. He's the only one from whom you can receive eternal life. And if you are saved, are you consistently pointing people to Jesus? That's their greatest need. Yes, people have other needs in this life. They have all kinds of charities that seek to meet different needs that people have. And we should have compassion on all kinds of needs that people may have. But their greatest need by far is salvation through Jesus Christ. They need to see Christ transforming power in you, Christian. Can they tell that you have been with Jesus this past week? Don't attempt to be a witness in the power of your flesh because you're not going to be so successful. But be sure that you're yielded to God and, and filled with the Spirit in order to be effective as a soul winner. No matter what anyone may uh, do to you, or even threaten to do to you, you and I have a responsibility to God. And that includes being a bold witness for Christ. Let's bow our heads and we'll have our invitation at this time. We want to invite you to respond to what you've heard. First of all, with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, is there uh, some who would say with an upraised hand, Pastor, pray for me. I, I need God's salvation. Or maybe it's just, I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. A pastor, would you pray for me? I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure about this whole thing about salvation through Jesus Christ. And we have those today that are, 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 are watching online. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you've never experienced what Jesus Christ offers you. That's your greatest need. Don't put it off. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And then I'll ask one more question. Who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me to be bolder? in my witness for Christ. Pastor, pray for me to be a bolder in being a good witness for my Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Hands 
all around the room. Amen. And my hands up as well. I, I want to be bolder. I, I need to be more effective as a witness for Christ as well. Our Father, I pray today that you would meet the needs of each one here. Perhaps there are needs that I did not uh, mention in the message or in the invitation. Maybe there's those here as believers today that, that need to repent of some sin. Maybe they know that they're not right with you. And I pray that they would take care of this opportunity and this invitation to get things taken care of and confess their sin. Then Lord, I also pray for those that might be listening today, whether in this room or listening on the internet, who need to be saved. Lord, show them that there is only one way to be saved, and that's through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they would not allow a, um, a pride or anything else to keep them from uh, trusting you as their Savior. And then, Lord, I pray for uh, believers as well who expressed a desire to be a bolder in their witness for Christ. Lord, help us to be the witness that you have called us to be. Help us to follow the example that we even uh, saw here this morning uh, in the Scriptures. Bless now in our invitation, and may we be obedient to you in what you're asking us to do. And I pray it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.